podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. And welcome back to the Rock Chalk Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Mitz. Today we are reviewing the season finale for the Kansas Jayhawks in football against West Virginia. Talking a little bit about what's ahead and who knows what else we're actually going to talk about because let me tell you, football has gone crazy at this point. Uh, to help me go over all of this um, and maybe even a little bit more would be Mike Plank, our editor-in-chief over at Rock Chalk Talk. Mike, how are you doing tonight? Uh, well, a lot better than most Oklahoma fans, I'll tell you that right now, Andy. <laughs> I know. it's uh, You know what? <laughs> the, the schadenfreude of all of that was just absolutely way too rich for me. Um, I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. I jumped on a on an Oklahoma Twitter space to kind of listen to what everyone was talking about. And it was it was mighty interesting. I mean, I, I tweeted something to this effect, but it was mighty interesting how just, you know, two, three weeks ago, before they lost to Baylor, everyone was talking about how, you know, Lincoln Riley just needed to uh, – to find a better defensive coordinator, but he was the best coach in the Big 12 and all this stuff. And then the minute he leaves, you know, half an hour later, they're talking about, man, he, something about him just never sat right with me. I never really believed that he was yeah. the guy. It's like, yeah, that's a bunch of BS and you know it. So <laughs> it was, anyway, yeah. yeah, it was fantastic to hear all of that. And I'm sure we'll talk about that because let me tell you, the rest of the college football world is going crazy too. But before we <laughs> get there, Kansas finishing off the season with a 34-28 loss to the West Virginia Mountaineers. Um, you know, there was a lot that actually happened in this game. I think a lot of things to take away from this game, but the very, the very first thing I want to ask you, Mike, is your overall opinion on the end of the season for the Jayhawks, this particular game. On this game? Yeah. Like, I mean, do you, do you think it was a fitting end for the, for the season? Do you think there was, you know, like what, what's the big takeaway from, from this game and how would you characterize this, this, this game as the finale for the Jayhawks? Yeah. Um, I mean, it was, um, I, I hesitate to use the word progress, right? Like, you, you know how hesitant I've been about that this season, especially the last couple of weeks, but it was a good sign. I'll, I'll, you've you got to admit that. i got to admit that. It was, it was, a, it was a great sign, um, you know, because what was it? Just, we're only a couple of years removed from just being whipped, you know, 60 to 6 or something stupid like that to a mediocre Baylor team at the end of the year. And, um, and you know, that, that didn't happen this week in, in the season finale. Kansas had nothing to play for. West Virginia had a bowl game to play for. If they didn't win, they weren't going to a bowl game. Right. And uh, and KU gave them everything they could handle. And that was that something we haven't seen out of this Kansas program for, you know, honestly, since Mark Mangino left town. Uh, so, so yeah, it, it was good to see. Uh, and it was good for them to show some fight these last three weeks. You know, like, they weren't playing for for anything other than pride, um, and uh, and they they played three close, fun to watch, competitive games. Um, they won one of them on the road, and, uh, and and yeah, it was it was a it was, it was a good way for this particular squad, um, this particular coaching staff, with everything that they've gone through, coming in late, not having spring ball, all that stuff that we've talked about ad nauseum on this very podcast. Um, it, it was a good way for them to end the season. I think. I, I think there's definitely some momentum there. There's reason for positivity, and there's reason to be excited to look forward to the off season and to look forward to next year. Even. Yeah, I mean, and I. I think the big thing here is like this isn't like fake optimism, right? This isn't the right. We need to find something that we can feel good so that we don't just completely, you know, jump off a cliff as Kansas fans in terms of looking at next year of football. Like this was a. 
you know, and, and, and we talked about this. I talked about this over on the 10, 12 podcast. Like this was a Kansas team that had a, a phenomenal win for them against Texas. That wasn't, you know, sandwiched by completely demoralizing losses. Like this was, they showed some progress against Oklahoma. Um, then they were able to follow it up with a win against Texas and then two competitive games to end the season. And you, you can talk about the level of competition all you want, but you know, in the last game or the the last time they beat Texas, the last time we saw all these signs, you know, it was it was them going back to being clear cut the worst team at all in all of Power Five football. And I, I can't say that about this team now. Like you look at what they have, you have an, an offense that's actually exciting to watch. Yes, they're still making mistakes. Yes, you're still like seeing times where they stall out. But you know, when you're trying to develop a bunch of guys and you're dealing with the fact that you probably like Against West Virginia, West Virginia had more talent on the field than 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 Kansas did. Just the way that they were recruited, you know, the way that they supposedly they were developed, and yet Kansas gave them everything that they could possibly handle. And so it's one of those things where this team, you see them getting better, you see them developing just week in and week out, and you're seeing guys, unheralded guys, that are starting to make you know impacts and are starting to do things. Um, so yeah, there's definitely like this, this, this game for Kansas, I think was encouraging was the main thing that I, that I took out of this because it showed that they were still continuing, you know, to build on the success that they've had early in the season. And again, all the guys that were really showing out for the most part are young guys that are going to be back for at least one more season, probably two or three. And so, you know, this is really something to build on. This isn't a you know a David Beatty whole bunch of seniors you're going to lose them the next year and and have to start over from scratch. This is freshmen and sophomores that are getting better that are really showing and and developing their stride at this point and they're going to be able to build on that next year with with a brand right. new class of young guys that can help them out. Yeah, and that's exactly where I was going to go with that because we've talked about it some over on Rock Drop Talk is that we've seen this out of Kansas a couple times over the last, you know, 10, 11 seasons where they get better as the season improves and towards the end of the year, they're playing in competitive games against, you know, games that they're not supposed to be competitive against. Right. But when, but just like you said, when you look at it, those were senior laden teams with lots of, <laughs> lots of Juco transfers uh, <laughs> that were seniors and, you know, with a senior quarterback um, and, and, uh, and yeah, they were all gone in the next year. And, that, and that's just not the case this year. I mean, we're right. losing, we're, we're losing Kwame Laster, which is a bummer. We're losing Kyron Johnson, which is a big bummer. Um, but those are the two biggest, there's a couple of offensive linemen that will be losing too, but those are the biggest contributors. Everybody else is an underclassman. And, um, and I think I mentioned this, I, I know I mentioned it on RCP and I don't remember if I mentioned it on the podcast last week or not, but Kansas is, I think, fifth, either fourth or fifth in the NCAA and yes. fourth youngest freshmen, freshmen and sophomores. Yeah. Fifth yep. youngest in terms of freshmen and sophomores. And, uh, and, and so, yeah, there's a lot to be excited about and, you know, give these guys an off season and give these guys, the coaching staff, I mean, an off season and give them a, a spring uh, practice slate. And uh, let's, let's see what they can do next fall, man. I'm cautiously optimistic at this point. Yeah. I mean, it's also one of those things like you look at this game, how competitive this game was when you didn't have Devin Neal, you know, and he's, arguably the best player you have on offense. And he wasn't available for this game and they were still able to keep this game really close. Um, yeah, and Daniel threw two interceptions and I mean, it's still, yeah. I'm, it's, I mean, we're all in both in the end zone too. Like those were, those were backbreakers. If Kansas could make anything else happen there, like they've got a chance that they've got a chance to win this one just outright. But yeah, turnovers killed him in this game, which has not been typical of them this year, but um 
But, you know, those are going to happen. So you've you got to find a way to play around them. And these guys just aren't good enough to over those, overcome those kind of mistakes yet. But, I mean, it certainly looks like they'll eventually get there. Yeah, but, I mean, it's also one of those things like, yes, that hasn't been their M.O. so far this year, so it was a little bit uncharacteristic. But this is a West Virginia defense. It's a really, that's actually a really good defense. Um, you know, and, and they have had some turnover luck this year, nowhere near that much. Like it was uncharacteristic though for, for that defense as well. And, and kind of to your point, those are two interceptions in the end zone. If you kick field goals on those two, instead of, you know, throw a pick, then this game is tied and you, and you're, you know, potentially going to overtime against them. So like, yeah, yeah I mean, it, this game was really close despite the fact that Kansas turned the ball over twice on picks in the end zone. So you know, I mean, Kansas was moving the ball. They were doing everything that you would expect. We have an offense that actually looks competent. Yes, the defense needs some work, and we'll kind of talk about some of the things that happened, um, you know, kind of in the offseason already at this point to kind of shake that up. But but before we do that, um, you know, there's there's definitely a couple things here going on that I wanted to, to highlight because, you know, guys that played out of their minds that I wasn't necessarily expecting. Obviously, you know, Jared Casey had another touchdown catch, had, had four receptions for 67 yards. Luke Grimm had four receptions for 105 yards. And and as you said, Kwame Lasseter was was kind of the guy you were expecting. He only had 45 yards, but that was on seven catches. And most of his catches were, you know, th- three or four yards. And West Virginia was blanketing him for most of the game. So it's not like you had an opportunity for a lot of after-the-catch yards because he had two guys on him at that point. But he had a lot of crucial catches there where, you know, it bailed Daniels out from getting sacked or, or something to that effect. I thought the one thing that that really jumped out to me though, switch over to the defensive side, Gavin Potter had himself a game. You know, he he recovered one fumble, he had a pick six, he had ten total tackles, you know, one and a half of those for loss. I mean, he was all over the place for this game. And I, I can't imagine it happening you know, like it, it was one of those things you were waiting for a guy like Gavin Potter, the way that he recruit you know, that, that he actually committed and kind of all the swagger that he had. You're waiting for him to have a good game. This was kind of that breakout game for him where you took a look and said, hey, this guy actually has made a lot of progress since the beginning of the season. Now, you kind of hope that there was another game that he could have built on that at that point. But maybe this is giving him a springboard and give him that confidence he needs to go in next year. Um, anyone else that stood out to you or, or did you want to say anything about Potter specifically? Uh, I mean, Potter had a great game. He, he's taken a lot of flack this year and yeah, <laughs> deservedly deserve, so at times, not. but yeah, right. But yeah. At times, but you know, how much of that was, um, coaching or lack thereof or whatever, you know, like we, we don't know. Um, but, uh, but yeah, he, he's definitely taken a lot of crap this year and, uh, and no, he had a great game. Uh, he led the team in tackles, but I'm not mistaken. Uh, right? Kenny Logan had 14. Oh, okay. But, so, I mean, uh, that's that's normal for yeah, Logan, he was second. Yeah, he was second with 10. Um, and, yeah, the pick six, obviously, was huge. Um, let's see, did he have a sack? No, he didn't have a sack. He did have a couple tackles for loss. But, yeah, he was all over the place. Um, and, yeah, it was it was nice to see him have a, have a really solid game, a really good game. Yeah, you know, and the other thing that jumped out to me is that there were so many guys that had good plays. I mean, Zion DeBose had a tackle for, you know, you know we had – Let's see. We had one, two, three, four, five, six different players that were involved in tackle for losses. Um, yep. Rich Miller had a sack. Zion DeBose had a sack. Like we had guys that were all over the place on this defense. It wasn't one guy just completely, you know, wreaking havoc. It was a bunch of guys making big plays. And yes, you would like it to be more consistent. But again, defense has been a, a big issue for this team all year long. The guys are <laughs> finally starting yeah. to get. And, and, and I mean, 
it wasn't necessarily unexpected. We we talked about this going into the year. You have a new system coming in. You had a you know a defensive scheme last year that really wasn't great. And what we talked about a lot last year was again you saw flashes from guys, but a lot of times they were out of position, and it seemed like it wasn't just a particular guy being out of position, but there was a bunch of like misalignments and things. And so the question has always been, how much is this is on defensive coaching, and how much of this is actually on the players? I think we've kind of seen that it is a little bit of both. The players are definitely developing, getting better. And it seems like the system is getting a lot more cohesive and they're getting there, but they still have a lot of work to do, um, which is, which is kind of obvious at this point, but, but not really that unexpected given where they were. So um, other, other thoughts about this game, anyone else that really jumped out to you that you wanted to highlight in terms of West Virginia? um, I mean, I know that Devin Neal was gone. You guys have already hit on that. And Amari Pesek Hickson, he had a, I mean, he had a nice game. He had 60 yards. He was averaging five yards carry. Uh, but they kind of got away from him. I felt like in the second half, and uh, which I thought was a little bit unfortunate. He he really had it going there in the first quarter. So I wanted to see more of him, and we just didn't get to. And that's not his fault. That's you know, play calling or whatever. Uh, but. Um, I mean, not, nothing that really stood out. Kwame Laster had a nice game, like like, like you'd expect. Um, Luke Grimm had 100 yards, if I remember correctly. Uh, yeah, a couple of big plays. And how, how have we gone this long without saying Jared Casey? I mean, come on. Oh, no, I actually a, talked about him earlier, but, but you're right. Yeah, okay. I mean, it was absolutely fantastic. That that 43-yard yeah. reception that he had, yeah. the, the yeah. touchdown he had over the middle, I mean, it was just absolutely fantastic. Another great game from him. Um, you know, he is a guy that he he's definitely jumped over some people in the depth chart, and I I have a hard time imagining that he's not going to be a main feature of this rotation next year. Um, you know, it's going to be great to see his story is absolutely phenomenal. I'm guessing he gets put on scholarship, you know, pretty quickly here. Um, at least I would hope so. Like as long as they don't need the scholarship for something else, and he you know, uh, you know, and and he's completely fine with that, you know, and continue to be a walk on. He's definitely earned a scholarship if they have one to give to him. So. Um, yeah, but kind yeah, of to your play, to your point, real quick about Pesic Hickson, I, I think they yeah. went away from him not necessarily because they wanted to go away from him, but that second half, West Virginia was really selling out to stop the run um, because Kansas was gassing them at times in the first half, you know, and plus Kansas really at that point, you know, they were starting to get down a little bit. They really needed to to get the ball moving somewhat. They went to the pass a little bit more. I agree that they probably should have kept going to him at least somewhat to keep the defense honest and to do a few more things, but it definitely seemed like West Virginia was focused on stopping him and stopping the running game a lot more in that second half, which is why they went away from him. Um, you know, so it wasn't necessarily a, a coaching problem. It was more kind of just the fact of the game that it got a lot harder for them to run and they needed situationally to do a lot more passing, to keep the ball moving, to go up, up tempo a little bit more. Um, I, I do think, though, Pesic Hickson had a great game, showed what he can do, and when Devin Neal's back, having Pesic Hickson as that change of pace back is going to be phenomenal for them next year. So, Sure. Yeah, I keep waiting for that uh, viral video to come out with uh, Jared Casey getting a scholarship in a team meeting or something, you know? Oh, I know. You know, I, I wonder when they're <laughs> going to do it. It's going to happen at some point. I'm I'm definitely, yes, ready for it. Um, and it's going to be one of those things, you know, given given the way that he burst onto the scene nationally, like that's going to be one that's going to get retweeted all over the place. It's going to be another great, you know, national kind of media blitz for the Jayhawks when he finally gets the scholarship. It's just a matter of when. So. Yeah. All right. Anything else about this particular game before we move on to some other stuff? 
Uh, no, nothing about the game specifically. Uh, I assume we'll get to uh, like season-ending thoughts, that type of stuff here in a little bit, or where, where, where are we going after this? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we are actually going to get there. I mean, you know, that is kind of the next thing to talk about, you know, where this team's at, kind of how they're going to continue and, and what the value of this team is. And, and honestly, talking about value, you guys are no, you, you guys know it's coming sponsor here on the podcast. Um, you know, we, we do have to go ahead and talk about them because let me tell you, I'm loving what's happening over on symbol. Symbol is a stock market for sports that allows you to profit off of your sports knowledge on symbol. You can trade sports teams like stocks. And every time your teams win, you earn cash. Use that sports knowledge on Symbol to buy low, sell high, and earn those cash payouts when your teams win. Join the 8,000-plus early adopters who have started to invest in their favorite teams by going to Symbol.com. That's S-I-M-B-U-L-L.com. Create a free account, and when you deposit, make sure you use the promo code CHOCK12 for a money-back guarantee. Uh, Yes, that's right. Money-back guarantee. We've been talking about it for a little bit here. What they are doing is allowing you to come in, take a look around, you know, find some teams that you want to jump on. Try to try to earn some some money there. And if after 90 days or, or any time before 90 days, you realize that it's just not quite for you that you want to go ahead and pull all your money out, they will refund that entire first deposit uh, up to $500. It's a lot of fun. There's a lot of t- different teams they have. They have NBA, NFL, you know, MLB, NHL, college football. Obviously, they're getting ready to add college basketball sometime this upcoming season and EPL. So professional soccer. They have a lot going on. It's a lot of fun, you know. Head on over there, symbol.com, use promo code CHOCK12, get that money back guarantee on a deposit up to $500. Um, Kansas, you know, going to the offseason, you can try to find teams like Kansas going to the offseason that are going to increase in value going into next year because let me tell you, the Jayhawks are coming. They're going to have a lot of fun and it's going to be a lot better in the next upcoming years. Don't know how long it's going to take, but I can guarantee you if you buy them now in two, three years, you're going to make quite a bit of money off of the value there. So let's, uh, but again, go to symbol.com. Use promo code CHOCK12, get your money back guarantee for your first deposit up to $500. All right, Mike, let's go ahead and take final season-ending thoughts. What, what are your thoughts about this team, um, especially going into the offseason and what they need to prepare for for next year? Uh, well, um, I, and we kind of already touched on it. I guess where I wanted to start was just with the coaching staff. And uh, I'm sure you saw on Twitter today, Andy, they already let two of the assistants go. And they I sure promoted- did. They, they promoted a couple, I think a new D-line coach, and uh, I forget what the other one is, but uh, some guys that were analysts that came with Leipold from Buffalo who were assistants there, um, but uh, they went ahead and promoted them to on-field coaching roles. So they're, they're already starting to, you know, mold staff a little bit more, and which is good to see. Um, but, uh, yeah, just the season in general, um, you know, it was uh, there were some fun games. There were some not-so-fun games. Uh, the last three weeks of the year were a lot of fun, actually, um, even though we had a couple of close losses there. But um, uh, I, I want I kind of wonder, and I don't know really how to do this myself, but I kind of wonder where the offense ranked just in the last three weeks compared to everyone else. I think if you look at the offensive numbers as a whole, they're not very good. Uh, but the one thing I think they need to focus on in the offseason and for next year is defensively, right? Um, yep. So out of, out of 130 – NCAA Division One teams. This team finished 126 in total defense. It finished 129, so next to last in rushing defense, and it finished dead last in third down conversion allowed. There were four teams this year that allowed opponents to convert more than 50% of their third downs: Oregon State, UMass, Akron, and Kansas at 54%. That's just 
that's got to get better. They've got to get better on that side of the ball. They're losing Kyron Johnson. That's not going to help. Um, but, uh, but yeah, they, they, they've got some pieces to build around on that defense. And uh, hopefully, you know, with a year of, uh, of uh, training and a year of, uh, you know, just playbook study and film study and all that stuff they do in the offseason, um, hopefully they can get that. You know, to where it's not, to where it's not, you know, in the bottom five of the NCAA. And it, let's be honest, Kansas is probably not ever going to have a top ten defense. But if they could get somewhere in the middle of the pack in in D one, somewhere in the fifties or sixties, that would go a long ways to um, what toward bowl eligibility, which is what we all want in the end, right? Right. Exactly. So um, yeah, get 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 the defense worked on. Um, keep building on that offense. I'd love to see. Gosh, I'd love to see Jason Bean come back. I I don't know that he is because it sure looks like Jalen Daniels has taken the, that starting quarterback job. Um, but uh, you know, I, I'm excited to see what what kind of recruiting class they can pull together and uh, and and what they can do next year, just offensively. I think that uh, they they have a lot to build on here, especially like like we said, the last three weeks and uh, and uh, cautious optimism, Andy. Cautious optimism. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's really the name of the game at this point. Um, to your point, I actually do have someone that I am talking with right now to try to get on to talk about kind of, you know, offensive rankings and talking about how this team performed, advanced analytics and all that kind of stuff. Um, and really kind of looking to try to segregate between, you know, before Jalen Daniels and then Jalen Daniels. Um, so that is something that we're working on for the offseason, probably later this month. Um, this month being December. So we're, we're going to try to see what we can get figured out to kind of talk about that. But that is really the kind of off season to take a look at that and what they can build on to your point, you know, kind of the, you know, spring semester film review and getting ready, you know, thinking about spring practices, like that kind of stuff, you know, it's really important that they have that tape that they can look at. They can look at what these coaches are trying to implement and how these players have actually done in trying to implement that system and have that to look at instead of just, you know, old tape from less mile system and other things like that. So they're going to have a lot of opportunities to take this off season to really work on the things and, you know, plan out and figure out what it is that they did and what they need to do better and how they can be better at those. Um, that's probably where you're going to see the biggest leaps. Like I, I am fully expecting us going into next year. Um, you know, we're going to see some stuff in spring practices probably for, for the spring game. We're going to see a lot of stuff and hear a lot of stuff that's coming out about this team, about how they're improving. And then, of course, the question is just going to be looking, you know, at next year, what is that going to look like? You know, how how are they going to come out of the gate next year? And what will all that be? And obviously, a lot of that will will not be entered until we know who's in the recruiting class. You know, like you said, we know who's actually transferring away or who's transferring in or things like that. I'm not necessarily so convinced that Jason Bean isn't going to come back next year just because he did start to find a role. You're kind of doing some some additional things. They do like to have a running back on staff that can also throw like, you know, you, you saw Tory Lachlan converted QB to running back, try to do that sort of thing. And then Jason Bean kind of stepped into that role. Um, I do wonder for this last game, I kind of got the indication that Bean was still kind of met, de- dealing with his injuries um, in this final game, which is why he didn't really really play. I have not yet gotten anyone to confirm that, so I don't know that that's actually the case, but just kind of the, the whisperings that I was hearing, it seemed to be like that was at least part of what was going on, if not the entire thing. Um, so it's definitely one of those things where like Bean's status is up in the air, whether he does stick around. I think that he would benefit and Kansas would benefit if he did for him to kind of get that that role I also don't know if he transfers, like what kind of availability he would have. I think he would have to actually have to sit out because he's already transferred once, but I'm not sure exactly how that rule would work. 
Um, so there's a lot of things that they have to figure out that we, you know, that we're going to find out about here um, in the next few days, next few weeks and all that stuff. But uh, kind of to your point, you know, there's, yes, there is a lot to take a look at. There is a lot to work on. There is a lot for them to go over. Um, but this is a coaching staff that I I feel confident is going to be able to use that time and actually come up with a plan for next year and actually develop throughout the offseason and do all those things that we haven't seen at Kansas for a really, really long time. Um, you know, that's why we hired the staff. That's why this this staff has the pedigree that they have. Um, you know, you did talk about some of the coaches that were leaving and the ones that were coming in to replace them. And I do want to get into that. But before we do that, I need to throw it to a quick break. We'll be right back on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Welcome to Between Two Bears, the newest 1012 Network podcast. Uh, this is Matt is Bear. I'm going to introduce my co-host, Evan Abair, uh, to give you a quick idea of what the show is about. Yeah, Between Two Bears is going to be a it's going to be a great sorry. Between Two Bears is going to be a great look at the silly and sometimes stupid. Between Two Bears is going to be a great look at the silly and sometimes stupid side of Baylor sports. Hey, I'm gonna try one more time. Between two. Bears. Okay, uh, Evan. Evan's gonna go take a nap. Um, but we are excited to join the 1012 Network along with the rest of their already great lineup of Big 12 podcasts. Check them out at 1012 Network on Twitter and us as well at Matt is Bear and at Evan Haybear. Uh, Sickum Bears. The Rock Chalk Podcast is proud to welcome our brand new sponsor from the 1012 Network here. That is Homefield Apparel. Homefield Apparel has the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel anywhere. That's t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies, you know, joggers, whatever you can get uh, that has great college vintage logos on it. Homefield has it. They have more than 100 schools available. They're adding new ones all the time. Uh, the f- stuff is absolutely fantastic. I have a whole bunch from a whole bunch of different schools that are not KU, but I can guarantee if you head on over there, go to homefieldapparel.com. I can guarantee you're going to find a vintage logo on a shirt, on a sweater, on a hoodie or something that you are absolutely going to love. If you use promo code CHALK12, uh, you can get 15% off of your first order. All orders over $100 get free shipping. Uh, they just got done with their Black Friday uh, you know, Cyber Monday sale that was absolutely phenomenal. So if you have not ordered yet from them, head on over there, use promo code CHOP12, get some great gear. I guarantee you're absolutely going to love it. You're going to have a problem with your significant other trying to steal it all the time because I know the mind does. Um, but one more time, homefieldapparel.com, use promo code CHOP12, get 15% off your first order. All orders over $100, get free shipping. And we're back here with Mike Plank wrapping up the season. We had talked about some coaching turnover that happened. Um, those coaches that actually left, you know, that, or I'm sorry, that were not being retained was Quan Drake, the defensive line coach, and then cornerbacks coach Shevith Jackson. Um, look, I, I loved what these guys were doing under Les Miles. They were involved in a lot of the recruiting, but weren't necessarily the lead recruiters for some of the guys that, that came in. Um, but, you know, if we're being honest, defensive line, and cornerbacks were some of the issues that we had. Yes, we had Jacoby Bryant who played really well, but like if you look at the big spots where we had lots of breakdowns, it was in that defensive secondary and the defensive line until Kyron Johnson came on and then other guys kind of started 
getting, you know, coming in around him. That's where a lot of the issues were, you know? So it's not necessarily a surprise that they're getting some new voices in there, that they're doing some, some additional things. You know, there was also some, some kind of talk about maybe these guys were looking at moving on at some point anyway, during the season, uh, Chavis Jackson missed the Duke game for some undisclosed reasons. Like there may have been some things kind of going on behind the, behind the scenes. The, the, the feeling that I get from talking with some people that have some feelers in the, in the system was that this wasn't necessarily a surprise. This was something that I think honestly, a lot of people were planning for and were anticipating. Um, so it's not like, you know, he just said, Nope, you're fired. We're done. Um, this was a move that they were preparing for. And the fact that they had Jordan Peterson and then, uh, Ona Tolu, I, I don't know how to say his first name, so I'm not even going to try, but those two coaches, you know, were, were here on the staff. Um, Peterson actually was, was, uh, I believe he coached the safeties. I want to say, uh, yeah, he, he coached the safeties under Les miles, um, in 2020 and he was the interim defensive coordinator. So he was part of that Kansas staff prior to Lance Leipold coming. So it's not like a case of he's getting rid of Kansas guys and just replacing them with his Buffalo guys. Um, you know, this is a guy that was here before served as an analyst on Leipold's first, first season here and is now coming back as an on-field coach. So, you know, this, this is a case of identifying guys that were within the program, giving them an opportunity and really doing what they need to do. Um, Onatalu, or I don't, I'm not even going to try again. (laughs) He, he was (laughs) with Leipold in Buffalo and yes, he's a guy that he really trusts, but he, he has several stops at other places, you know, and it's, it's, it's a spot that we really needed an upgrade at. We really needed to get through to these guys and, and to, you know, get that message across. So again, this is some of the natural churn that you have inside of those position coaches. I would be worried if we had, you know, defensive coordinator, offensive coordinator, you know, there was issues with that kind of stuff, but you're going to have churn in position coaches as position coaches get not op- get opportunities elsewhere, or as they decide that the system that they're in, isn't really what they want to do. They want to, you know, go with a different direction. I'm not concerned about it at this point. You know, if stories start coming out about other things happening and then kind of getting run off as opposed to just kind of natural attrition, then I might start to get worried, but there's nothing from this report that makes me wonder about what's going on. It's not like there's a whole bunch of guys jumping ship like we saw, you know, between less miles year one and year two. So, yeah. um, okay. So anything else though, about this team is, is, is there anything you're looking at going into recruiting? Do you have any, any sense about, you know, spots that you would like to see them hit hard in recruiting? Um, you know, there was a little bit of recruiting news and that a tight end that was previously committed to TCU is now committed uh, to Kansas, I don't actually have the name in front of me. I had it for a minute and then clicked away to something else. But, you know, this is one of those things where, like, maybe he was more available than he normally would have been because of the, the coaching situation that's going on at TCU. But, um, like, anything specifically in recruiting that you're hoping that they go after? I mean, nothing specific. Uh, obviously, they need some help. They need some help on the defensive side for sure. Um, but again, kind of like we talked about earlier, um, you know, there, there's so many guys coming back that, um, you know, they need, first of all, they need to develop the guys they already have. Right. Um, right. and then, and, and then if they can find, you know, um, uh, now I don't want a class of 15 JUCOs, but I think, you know, three or four JUCO recruits every year is, is a good number for a place like Kansas where you find a guy that you want that has, the eligibility you need and is, you know, um, be very selective, but yeah, you can take two, three, four JUCOs a year and plug them in where you need the most help, whether that's defensive line or I, I, 
honestly, I like the linebacking core. I don't know if they need a lot of linebackers, but, um, you know, get, get some help along the line, get some help in the secondary. Um, and like, uh, like I said earlier, I think they're losing at least three and maybe four offensive linemen. Um, so they're going to need to recruit some offensive line and then develop the guys that they have. So, um, I, mostly in the trenches, I would say, but, um, because uh, it looks like we're set at quarterback. It looks like we're set at running back. Um, I like the young receivers we have. Uh, definitely need help uh, up front on both sides of the ball. And uh, defense can use all the help it could get. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it is it is one of those things, like, I, I could see them maybe wanting one Juco linebacker because, you know, Rich Miller was was a big guy on this on this linebacking core for them, that veteran presence. If they can find someone that makes sense, I like I could see them going out and, and getting something like that you know, kind of similar on the offensive line or on the defensive line, get, you know, one upperclassman that really plugs the hole that you need, um, those sorts of things. But you're right. It's not like in previous years where, you know, you look at a position as like, man, this is completely bereft of talent and we need to find, you know, at least two or three guys just to field a team that can be somewhat competitive. You've got a bunch of young guys. You have to think at least one of them is going to step up and take a a leading role. Um, You might want to bring in some experience, just kind of the way that they like to do things. But, you know, that's the other thing too, is like, they're really big on consistency and, you know, learning the system and, you know, getting the guys in there that have that foundation. I think this is a program that even more than, than elsewhere is going to be really focused on just, you know, the guys that have been in the system the longest that, that can give you that consistent production week in and week out are going to be the ones that you really look at. So it's, there's going to be a pretty high bar, I think for Juco guys to come in, um, you know, to be able to do that because they're not necessarily going to be able to to give the, you know, the the consistency and that performance that you would need for them to actually see a lot of playing time. So, you know, there might be a, a situation where you have a guy that's been in the system for a year and a half or two years um, that's going to get a lot more playing time than a Juco that's coming in, especially as we get in, not, not just next year, but the year after. Um, so, you know, I, I don't I don't necessarily know that, Juco heavy is going to be something that they're ever going to do here just because of the way that Leipold runs his program. Um, but I, I do think I would probably be okay with, you know, say five or so Juco guys every year just to fill those holes. You know, if you can identify guys that are going to fit culturally with what you have. Um, yeah. So, you know, while Kansas is now, I think in a good spot, you know, we, we kind of tease at the beginning of the show, the rest of the college football world has gone absolutely insane. Um, and I, I don't think I ever actually saw it coming at this point. Like, yes, this year there's been a lot of openings. You know, Texas Tech and TCU both fired coaches before the end of the year. Um, well, depending on how you want to characterize Gary Patterson leaving TCU. You know, there's been coaches all over the place. Ed Orgeron was essentially fired, you know, a month and a half before the season ended. You know, <laughs> Florida fired their coach. Like, there's just been a ton of firings and a, t- a bunch of turnover elsewhere. UCF, or yeah, USC, I think. Uh, fired their coach, what, like three weeks into the season or something ridiculous like that. So, like, there's been a lot of high-profile jobs that have been open, and some of the dominoes have started to fall. The big news over the weekend, you know, after Bedlam, was that Lincoln Riley is leaving OU to go to USC. And let me tell you, um, it was not handled well by Oklahoma fans, I don't think. Um, We kind of talked about that a little bit up front, but it does throw, I think, the entire Big 12 into disarray when you look at, you know, who knows what's going to happen with Oklahoma who knows what's going to happen now with Texas, with Sark having all the problems he did in year one. And then, of course, who knows when Oklahoma and Texas are actually leaving for the SEC. Uh, so it's one of those things like looking at that one. Are, are you surprised by just how much churn? Because 
just before we started recording, um, you know, it was announced that uh, Brian Kelly from Notre Dame is going to go and accept the the head coaching job at LSU. Um, yeah, I saw that. So, like, you know, that is going to have a whole bunch of reverberation throughout the rest as well because Notre Dame is probably going to be able to pick pretty much whoever they want. You know, Matt Campbell theoretically could be one of the guys that gets looked at. Like, that, that I think, is one of the few jobs that Matt Campbell would actually leave Iowa State for. There's a bunch of other schools around the country where they might lose a coach. Cincinnati might lose, you know, Luke Fickle, if that's who Notre Dame wants. Like, there's a lot of dominoes still to fall at this point. So how surprised are you by how absolutely bonkers the whole coaching scene has gone in college football? And how glad are you that we have Lance Leipold, a guy that's not likely to jump to go find another job at this point? Yeah, I was actually going to say how lucky did Kansas get this time around, but we're not uh, in terms of, like, having to fire a coach when we did, right? Right, exactly. yeah, no, make no bones about it. Like, Les Miles had to go. Like, he could not remain employed with what was coming out about him. Um, and Kansas made the right call and let him go. And, yeah, it, you know, hiring a coach in April is not ideal, uh, but it worked out great for Kansas. We, we got a guy. Um, we like our guy. We think he's going to be good. Um, and, and we're able to stay out of this fray, right? Like, if if Les Miles had coached out this year and went one and eleven or two and ten, um, you know, and, and decided to retire, uh, then you know, now, now all of a sudden Kansas is in this same fray, but we're way at the bottom of the pecking order, right? Yeah. Or, or even so, think about like, what if the news about Les Miles had come out even a month later? If it had come yeah, out even yeah. a month later, at that point, well, then you probably wouldn't have gotten Travis Goff as the AD because. I mean, I, I don't know. Well, that may have still happened, but they probably would not have been able to bring in a new coach like Lance Leipold at that point. They probably would have had to play this season with an interim and be looking to hire a coach, you yeah. know. And unless yeah. you just happen to, you know, fall into a situation where a guy wants to commit that early, like, it's going to be really hard. They would have been, like you said, at the bottom of the pecking order. Now they've established themselves at a point where they, with an absolutely phenomenal head coach in Lance Leipold that can really build the program that, you know, they're going to be in an absolutely fantastic situation. You know, um, you know, they've got a jump in terms of recruiting on a lot of these, you know, schools that are going to have stuff turn over. And yeah, I'm not saying that, you know, Kansas is going to be recruiting the same kind of guys that like a, co- a, a school like Florida is going to, but right. in terms of, you know, getting realistically into the level of recruiting you would expect them to have long-term getting themselves set up, establishing the program and trying to get past the churn and, you know, uncertainty cycle that, that is bound to happen for a lot of these teams that are hiring new coaches. Now Kansas got a head start on all that. This recruiting class is going to be as close to a normal recruiting class as a head, as a new head coach is ever going to have from this point forward. So, you know, this is absolutely phenomenal. Um, for for Kansas at this point, and the fact that they were able to stay out of this complete melee at this point is probably the biggest win of the entire Kansas football season. So. Yeah, no, absolutely, and it could totally benefit KU next year. Um, the it, just in the non conference play, I mean, forget Oklahoma or Texas or whoever, but um, just in the non conference play because that's where Kansas needs to make hay, right? It's it, it's got to start winning its non conference games. Well, next year we have Tennessee Tech, so eh. But then we have Houston and Duke. Uh, Duke's already fired David Cutcliffe, so they're going through a coaching change already. Coaching change already. Yep. And, you know, Houston, uh, their only loss was the Texas Tech in the opener, right? Like, didn't they run through the rest of the of their conference? So, um, you know, they're – and I can't for the life of me think of who that coach is, but um, – Where? At 
Houston? At Houston, is it? Uh, Dana Hogerson. Dana Hogerson, yeah. yeah. <laughs> who's, to say, who's to say somebody, some P5 school somewhere is not going to take another shot at Dana Hogerson, you know? Now, it's not going to be a, a, a blue blood or anything like that, but, you know, maybe Matt Campbell leaves and Hogerson goes to Iowa State. You know, I'm just throwing that out there. Um, you know, right. something to that effect, right? He goes to some mid to upper tier P5 school. And I know Houston has is going to be joining the Big 12 here sometime, but we don't know when yet. Like you said, we don't know when Oklahoma Texas are in, so maybe he takes that jump now and gets that money now. I, you know, I mean, um, I, I don't even know that Holgerson is looking to move because, you know, he gets a big right. fat bonus for being there, for being at the school when they get into the Big 12. So, like, right, but I'm, I'm just saying the, the coaching carousel could go that far this year. Like, that's how crazy things are. Going. No, that, that's true. You know, it, it's yeah. also one of those things, too, though. Houston has, yeah, run through the rest of their you know, their, their schedule in their conference in the American there. But, you know, they had a really poor showing against Texas tech to begin the season. You know, that's their only loss on the year, um, which, you know, that, that in and of itself kind of tells me something, but Holgerson has a, has a habit of really up and down teams. So yes, Houston could be a good team next year, but they could just as easily be a really bad team next year as well. Um, right. you know, if things, they've gone through a coaching change, well, even without a coaching change, Holgerson is probably one of the, the biggest variance coaches from year to year that I've seen in a really, really long time. So, um, you know, he, he had that problem at West Virginia, which is part of the reason West Virginia fans soured on him because he had some really good years, but some really bad years and didn't handle it well. So, um, you know, it, it's definitely one of those things. Kansas has an opportunity next year with that non-conference two games that you have to think that they're very likely to win just looking at it from right now. And then another game that they have an opportunity in that will give them a real good measuring stick, uh, you know, of playing against a Houston team that it will be joining the conference soon. Um, you know, so there's a lot of opportunities there beginning of the year. And then who knows what kind of momentum they can build and where they can get at that point. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to kind of seeing how the rest of this shakes out. And of course we will be talking about a lot of this stuff at the end or, you know, as the rest of the year goes on. And as we're in the, the off season, once we get a, a recruiting class that's finalized or, or even like the early recruiting, I'm sure we'll have you back on Mike to kind of talk about first impressions <laughs> from that. Um, like I said, we do have some guests that are, that are starting to line up here to talk about, you know, looking at advanced analytics from the season, kind of talking about next year, uh, looking at that kind of stuff moving forward. So we will still be talking about football throughout the basketball season, especially since now there's a bit of optimism. It's a lot easier, I think, to talk about a team that you feel legitimately good about going into next year when Kansas basketball is going on than it has been in the past. So um, we will continue to talk about that. And hey, look, with how great everyone is feeling about this program going into next year, it is not too early to get ready to get started on prepping for the tailgates that we're going to have next year, which are going to be absolutely epic. The best place to upgrade your tailgate is with sponsor here on the podcast, Gridiron Metalworks. Gridiron Metalworks is where you can get high-quality metal home goods for the college superfan in your life, whether that's you or someone else. Find collegiate-branded grill grates, griddles, any number of home decor items, including flower pots, stainless steel bookends, coasters, can coolers. All of these are in actual school colors, not the, you know, it's really close. Hey, it, it's it's blue, at least. Colors, you know, that's what the other manufacturers use. Gridiron gets the actual school colors for all of their products there. So, you know, I have the, 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 the Kansas desk plaque, the Jayhawk head, word Kansas on it. I love that thing. I look at it all the time. Uh, look, it's fantastic. I, I love the thing. I have my sign, the Rock Talk Podcast logo that they made for me. Hangs up on my wall. I still get people that walk in and take a look at it. I absolutely love it. It hangs right there in my doorway when, when they walk in. So they love it. I love it. 
I know that you're going to love anything you get from Gridiron Metal. They have super high quality goods that are made here in the USA. They continue to add new products all the time. They have some great stuff coming out. You know, and with the holidays here, I can guarantee you if you go there, you are going to find something that someone on your shopping list does not have. So head on over to gridironmetal.com. Use promo code SHOCK12. You can get 15% off your entire first order. Right now, all orders are getting free shipping no matter how much. But I can guarantee you're going to order enough to make it worth it for them at that point. So uh, head on over there. Use promo code 15 or sorry, use promo code SHOCK12. Get 15% off your entire first order. It is really close to the holidays. Um, if you don't go over there almost immediately, I, you know, I can't guarantee that they're going to be able to get it to you before the holidays. But, you know, I've done this before gotten gifts like this where you know unfortunately they weren't able to get it before the holidays but they knew it was coming fantastic stuff you know you can still show it to them and show what they're going to be getting and i can guarantee you that they're actually going to love it it's going to be worth the wait so one more time go over to gridironmetal.com use promo code chalk 12 get 15 percent off your entire first order and all orders uh get free shipping one final thing i did want to talk about before we get out of here for the night mike um you know the the ncaa volleyball tournament bracket was announced and kansas is did make it um, they are, will be facing, I'm trying to find the actual date for it. For some reason, I can't actually find it, uh, in terms of when the Creighton, schedule right? is, uh, they are playing Oregon up in Omaha. If they win against Oregon, then they are probably going to be facing Creighton. Creighton. Um, okay. cause Creighton is the, I believe they're the, yeah, they are the 14 seed, uh, overall. Um, so Kansas doesn't have to go that far from home. They get to face Oregon in that first round, huge benefit to them. And then they'll get to face Creighton in the second round, assuming that they advance. I uh, Again, I'm having trouble figuring out exactly where and when that is. But once I do have that, I'll, I'm sure I'll put it out on, on, on the Twitter account so you guys can have that. And, you know, I, I, we'll, we'll be talking about that as long as they advance. We'll continue to keep talking about the way that they've gone. Uh, I, I am, was trying to get a volleyball guest on. I still have not been able to do that for the year. Unfortunately, it's been a little harder to get those um, yeah. Olympic sports guests on to talk about Here, them. But, I got it. I got you, Andy. It's Thursday, December 2nd at 4.30. There we go. I would say I knew it was either Thursday or Friday. I couldn't remember which one. So yeah. I'm guessing that our, our our preview episode, because Kansas plays um, against St. John's on Friday, uh, I believe our preview episode for that with Fetch is probably going to be coming up on, on Thursday. So we'll talk a little bit about that matchup before then. That might be our end sports minute for the day. I'm not sure yet at this point. But congratulations to the volleyball team for making the tournament. Um, very happy to see them get back there. They made huge strides this year. Um, you know, they had, and they, if, if I remember correctly, I, I, I believe they have a fairly young team that they're looking to build on for next year. So this is going to be a great launching point for them as well. So Mike, any, any final thoughts before we get out here for the night? Actually, Andy, I do have one question for you, if you don't mind. Yeah, go ahead. Let's go back to the whole, uh, Lincoln Riley thing real quick. And, and I'm going to ask you, cause I heard a little bit about this on the uh, talk radios today. Um, do you think Lincoln Riley coached that Oklahoma State game any differently knowing that he was going to USC? Because he had to have known at that point, right? Like everything, it happened too fast. So so what I had heard from some people, and again, I don't know, like I don't have any special sources inside of Oklahoma. Gosh, I, I wish I had sources inside of, you know, some team. <laughs> yeah. But but from you what I've both. heard from people that are somewhat knowledgeable, it definitely seems like, the, the possibility was out there and Riley essentially was saying, Hey, if this doesn't go well, I'm, I don't want to stick around for the fallout. Um, <laughs> so like he, he had, you know, a foot in the door jam, like ready to go bolt if he needed to. Um, it was definitely one of those things though. Like he did not go into there and say, Hey, I'm going to coach 
with the idea that, you know, I want to lose this game so that we're not in the conference championship right. game so that right, I can, yeah. you know, bolt USC. It was very much up in the air. He still may not have gone to USC, but seeing how poorly it went, kind of everything that was already starting, like there was already rumblings on Twitter and, you know, the, the post game show, like all of that stuff talking about, you know, what's wrong with Lincoln Riley? Like, why are they so as, you know, as bad as they are, like a, a whole bunch of stuff. And I, I don't blame him for not really wanting to deal with it. Cause I can tell you right now, Oklahoma fans are probably, you know, they, they're, they're top 10 in terms of unreasonable fan bases when they get a little bit of adversity in terms of football. So, um, you know, they are just so used to winning for so long that the, the first time they don't have an opportunity to win the conference championship game, um, they, they were ready to mutiny at that point. So, yes, he didn't necessarily handle it the best way um, from that point <laughs> forward, but he definitely had that, you know, parachute strapped onto his back ready to go in case things got bad. And losing that game was the, the final tailspin that they needed for him to realize, hey, I got to get going. So, um, yeah, it's interesting to kind of see how that's going to go. Um, I'm really interested to see who OU is going to hire. It's so many names that were thrown out there that are just absolutely ridiculous. Um, it's kind of funny because honestly, anybody who wants to raise at this point can just link their name to the OU job and they're probably going to get it. Um, you know, unless there's a school that that really is just like, yeah, there's no way you're going to get, I'm going to call that bluff. But like Cliff Kingsbury was linked to the job almost immediately. And I think that came from Cliff Kingsbury's agent trying to get him a raise because he's going into last year's contract. So Uh, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. So there's a lot of, a lot of that kind of stuff going on. So, um, yeah, I, it's. It's a complete, I, I mean, cluster right now in that situation. I'm interested to see how it's going to shake out. I'm sure we'll talk about it here at some point, um, just because it will affect Kansas. You know who Oklahoma has, because as far as I know, Oklahoma is not leaving before next year, so Kansas is going to get to play them again. Um, you know, maybe Kansas will have an opportunity to actually beat them before they head out the door. So um, I'll be watching that intently, trying to figure out what, how much pain the big 12 can inflict on Oklahoma before they go limping off to the sec. So, <laughs> all right, Mike. Well, I think that's going to do it for us tonight. Thanks for joining me tonight. And thank you guys so much for listening. If you haven't already, please do go out wherever you get your podcast for Apple podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the other million apps that are out there. Just search for rock chalk podcast. So you can subscribe and get every episode as soon as it comes out. If you can give us a rating and a review, five stars, nice comments would absolutely love that. Um, you know, we, we are trying to get as many reviews as possible. I will read them here on the show. Um, you know, I, I, I definitely appreciate all of you guys listening, all of you guys interacting. You know, I, I did my whole Thanksgiving spiel and look, I do this to bring you guys all the information you need in as entertaining way as possible. I really enjoy doing it. I really like the feedback that I'm getting. So any other feedback you can give me would be greatly appreciated. If you want to give me any you know comments, questions, suggestions, people you want me to try to interview, anything like that, you can contact me by email at rockchalkpodcast.gmail.com or on Twitter at rockchalkpod. Um, if, if you... Uh, you, you, you can leave us a voicemail on the Anchor platform. Just go to anchor.fm slash rock-chalk-podcast slash message. We are part of the 1012 network. Go to 1012 network. That's T-E-N-1-2, the word network, on Twitter. Get links to all the great shows, cover all the teams in the Big 12 Conference. We're actually adding another couple shows coming up here. We have one coming in the middle of December, one coming in January. Uh, brand new fan bases are going to be fantastic. Uh, you know, Additional coverage of teams that are in the Big 12 or maybe potentially going to be in the Big 12 to get you guys all the information you need on all those teams. So definitely head on over there and get that. Make sure you visit all of our sponsors, Symbol, Gridiron, Home Field Apparel. Use promo code CHOCK12 to get great deals with them over there. Um, but that is going to do it for us tonight. Thank you guys so much for listening. Mike, thanks for joining me, and we will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast. 
is Brandon Phoenix, a.k.a. I also hate pit, joined by my brother, Jeremy J. N. Fiend Phoenix. We are the Raspy Voice Kids. We do the Raspy Voice Kids podcast. If you love West Virginia University, you will love our podcast. If you don't care about West Virginia University, you will love our pop culture segment. It begins every single episode. You can join in the fun anytime, anyplace. Get at your boys. Sports Social Podcast Network.